Okay, so welcome to another fabulous episode of My Orgasmic Life. And I have one of my new favorite people. <laughs> She's back. She's back. She's our resident porn expert. And we're going to have a juicy conversation about how porn, how is porn in society and our social sexual norms all linked together. So it's going to be a juicy conversation. And I really recommend you staying tuned, even if you're like uncomfortable with the concept of porn. Um, I think it's a really beautiful, it'll be a very beautiful conversation to figuring out there's some things that you do probably on a daily basis or believe around sex and sexuality, that you had no idea that it actually came from the porn industry. So I really want you to lean in, lean in with us today. Okay. Don't run away. Don't run away. And of course you can do it. And of course, as always, you know, you do, do, do what you need to do for yourself to take care of yourself as always. Um, and do some Kegels and some deep breathing if you get triggered. Okay. And, And don't forget, you can always reach out to me afterwards so we can figure out why whatever we were talking about upset you so very much. Okay. We so try not to be upsetting. <laughs> but <laughs> but you're right, porn can be a very upsetting issue for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's just the, you know, me doing my due diligence about content warnings. Everybody knows what they're getting themselves into. All right. Especially since I look so cute. So you have no idea what's gonna happen right now. <laughs> like, oh look at Kelly, she's so cute. What is she gonna talk about? <laughs> I'm gonna talk about porn. <laughs> um, all right, so introduce yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Lindsay G. Um, I think that the, I I wear many hats, um, but I am mostly called a porn critic, uh, which is to say that I have written about pornography, primarily the pornography industry for the past, I don't even know, 12 years, somewhere between 10 and 15 years, I think, um, as a, a an interviewer of people in the porn industry, as a, a reviewer, as sort of a general journalist type who interviews folks and writes articles, um, and as a columnist. Um, so I've watched a ton of porn, um, both professionally and in my private life. <laughs> um, and which I've written- Our last, by the way, which our last show, which if you have not listened to or watched is uh, definitely recommend because she talks about what kind of porn she watched, just like yeah. I shared my own personal consumption of porn. So go check that out. Yeah, All right. that was a fun All conversation. Right. It was a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just here as someone who uh, knows a lot about porn. I actually wrote a book about porn. Like I wrote the book on porn. I can actually say that. And mm-hmm. that, that makes me more or less- I wouldn't call myself the expert on porn. There are lots of people who know way more than I do, especially people who actually work more actively in the porn industry, whereas I kind of flit around on the periphery, um, interviewing people and and paying attention. Um, But I certainly know a lot more than your average bear about porn. Yes, and you have been dubbed as my orgasmic life's porn expert. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so hold on. Let me go and check in with the, because I can only switch back and forth. Um, Unfortunately, the way things are set up that uh, we can't have both of them at the same time and there's a delay. 
No, you've got to get one of those like multi-screen setups. I totally know? need a multi-screen setup. <laughs> completely. Surrounded by screens. Exactly. I'm like, I got all these different screens doing different things. That would be awesome. But we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So through this adventure today, I'm going to go back and forth between all of our audience that are with us live. Yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, and me and Lindsay getting into this really juicy conversation. Um, and I promise that if you make a comment or, and first of all, keep all of your comments to a respectful, do not talk about my boobs, even though they're fabulous. We are not going to talk love about them. them. They're great, but they're not the point of the conversation. They're today. not the point <laughs> of the conversation. Um, and so I want everybody to be, remember, respect, 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 respect. Okay. Um, if you are not respectful during this conversation, you will be booted and banned. All right, I've set my parameters, I've set my boundaries, and let's get into our, actually, before we get into our conversation, this episode is brought to you by Tickle.life. <laughs> All right, now we can get into our juicy conversation. So let's talk about society, sexual norms in society and how the porn industry has been a crucial influencer in that. Oh man, like where to even dive in? Oh, oh well, um, actually, let's let's define so that everybody knows what we're talking about. I think that we, let's start with our definitions. Okay. Well, so what is porn? Hmm. I mean, that's so that's also wide open because I think it can be defined in a lot of ways. But I think that probably the easiest, uh, most applicable way would be, you know entertainment media that is used to jerk off to you know <laughs> which, which actually opens it up wider because yeah. in my explorations of this field I have realized that there's there's pretty much somebody out there who will jerk off to literally anything like people have such hugely varied tastes so something that one person sees as porn could be totally not pornographic to someone else but I think I think that the definition still stands yeah, I, I would go with that definition. Pretty much any any kind of entertainment, visual stimulation, audio stimulation, uh, brain stimulation <laughs> that you uh, are whacking off to, jerking off, self-pleasuring, um, or is creating a horniness factor to you um, with the intention of whacking off. Um, yeah that I really think defines what porn and pornography is because yeah. each person's definition will vary. So that, that right. I think will just cover everybody's definition. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there are definitely gray areas where maybe something wasn't made with that intention, but then people will take it and use it that way. Yeah. Um, so that, that would sort of open up the discussion to a much wider range, which we're maybe not necessarily going for today. So I think probably for this conversation, what we'll focus on is entertainment media that was made with the purpose of hoping that somebody will jerk off to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. And let's define the porn industry so that we just, so that we're on the same page. So what is... When we say the porn industry, give us a, a definition mm -hmm. of that so that we're all on the same page. All right. Well, that's also a really tricky one because the porn industry has changed so drastically over the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, but I think probably for the purposes of our conversation, what we should focus mostly on is sort of the mainstream-ish 
or at least mass-produced porn industry that exists in America, um, which is primarily coming out of California and uh, Las Vegas, particularly in Nevada and Florida these days. Um, if we'd been talking 10 years ago, it would have been almost exclusively coming out of California. Um, and then today there is so much porn being made by amateur producers around the world that I feel like we have to include that, but it also, it makes defining it much more difficult <laughs> as to what the porn industry is. Yes, yeah, so let's, let's keep it in, in realms of North America, the porn industry in North America, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm in Canada, we have mm -hmm. porn, over, we have porn up here too! Quite a lot of it, in <laughs> fact, yeah. Uh, one of the, actually the biggest porn company in the world is based in Canada. Yeah, so let's, 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 let's encompass all of North America. <laughs> yes, let's, let's do. <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, all right, so now we have our definitions. What would you say, okay, actually, this is a curious, before we get into history, what would you say is like the history of porn? The beginning, in the beginning, in the very beginning. Well, again, definitions are important here, but if we're talking about visual, like video porn, more or less, or video or... I would say film. pictures. Let's go yeah, with pictures. Okay. Well, if we're... Because if we're going back pictures, we're going back, 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 centuries and centuries and centuries. Yeah, thousands and thousands of years. There are pornographic cave etchings, I believe. Um, they might be paintings. I, I'm mixing up all of my details in my mind, but uh, I know that there are pornographic cave images in, I believe, China um, okay. from, I want to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 16,000 years, might be longer than that. Um, <laughs> I should have done my research. I should have refreshed myself. Um, but the, it's, it's uh, there's like an orgy scene where that shows heterosexual, homosexual, and bisexual encounters between people and sometimes animals. Um, yeah. So people getting real freaky is very old and liking to make images of it is very old as well. Um, and there's these goddess figurine statuettes that have been oh, found in caves. Yeah, all lots. over the place. Um, from like, they're like 20 to 30,000 years old, I believe. Yeah. Um, that are very voluptuous female bodies with e extremely exaggerated sexual secondary and primary characteristics. Um, I would say but that usually, born. but I, usually those were the fertility goddesses. Like the uh, like a lot of those like really ancient sex scenes, sexuality stuff, typically was attached to fertility, honoring of the fertility um you know those kinds of pieces i was thinking more like in like you know when people were started to take pictures ah yes people were starting to take pictures and these little cards that were secrets um that you could buy um for the purpose of whacking off yeah they were they called them french cards they called yeah, them french it was like cards in the victorian here. age yeah yeah i want to say it was basically when uh photography became a thing mm -hmm. immediately it was put to use to make pornographic images of you know prostitutes and sex, other sex workers and yeah they were sold kind of like on the, the black market um and i think i mean they were hugely popular and i would say that they were at least partly responsible for the popularization 
of photography. And you can actually trace pornography's influence in the rise of almost all forms of media up to and including streaming media on the internet. Um, you know, once something is developed, sometimes by the porn industry, sometimes elsewhere, the porn industry picks it up and is like, all right, let's put people fucking on this and <laughs> let's make it a thing. And it works. It does. Um, uh, porn has popularized and uh, democratized photography, um, film, <laughs> um, and then video, yep. uh, then streaming video. Uh, porn more or less actually invented using the internet to pay for things mm -hmm. um, because people needed to find a way to monetize porn on the internet instead of people just uploading photos or scanning photos and sending them to each other. Um, there's a whole movie about it, actually. Oh, crap, I can't remember what it's called. Middlemen. It's called Middlemen, and it stars Luke Wilson. And it's kind of a silly movie. It's not, like, it's definitely not going to win a ton of awards or anything. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't tell the story perfectly. But if you're interested, um, basically people were like, wow, people are really using this internet thing. How can we make money on it? Porn. Definitely porn. Um, and so they invented ways to move money through the internet. And that led to pretty much everything <laughs> that is on the internet now. Um, and the funny thing is that it's basically the porn industry that became responsible for payments online. But now, because back in the, the day, people hadn't figured out that like, if your credit card bill says, you know, giant titties triple X on it, that your, your partner might be mad at you. Um, so there were a lot of chargebacks. There were a lot of you know, people disputing the charges that they made online. And because of that, the payment industry at large will now not work with pornographers at all. So this industry that porn built is now excluding porn from payment processing platforms. It's, it's hilarious and ridiculous and very unfortunate, actually, because pornographers have to pay out the nose to do business online now. Fine. Yeah, it's true. All right. I love it. Okay. So let's see what our people are saying. <laughs> I'm always like, let's here. get into the economics of it. And everybody's I, like, snooze. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's very interesting. Um, okay. So no one has any questions up to this point. So we're good. Um, I'd like to talk about, so here's some of the things that I've noticed in the that this is when I started to notice that the porn industry really started to affect our sexual societal norms. So here's a couple of key pieces that I saw. First of all, no pubic hair, pubic hair. Pubic hair is like a great way of, if you watch through society, like throughout history, and you watch through the porn industry, is a preemptive, for what ends up happening in society as our norms. And so um, it, it, I find that really fascinating. So like, for example, I hang out at the nudist resort all the time. This is a place where it's supposed to be oh natural. And yet I am probably one of the only women at the whole nudist resort that have pubic hair. Wow. Huh, that's so interesting. I kind of thought that if anything at a nudist resort, you'd see more pubic hair. Nope. Huh. Nope. <laughs> and that has a lot to do with the the porn industry, right? Like mm -hmm. the porn industry made 
having no pubic hair. I mean, at first it was a fetish, right? Being fully bald, that was a fetish. Then it became a thing. And now it's the norm. You go to a gym, most women don't have pubic hair. I'm at the nudist resort. So I get to see a lot of, uh, you know, naked bodies no pubic hair. Um, and so, but that directly is because the porn industry said, Hey, this is a thing that people are turned on by. So let's, let's, let's make that a thing. Oh, now, now it becomes the the actual norm. Yeah. And I don't know the numbers of how long it takes. If you might know this, but how long it takes from when something becomes normalized in porn to how it filters down into the norm on the average person who may not even be a porn consumer. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because I would venture to say that that timeline has probably sped up quite a bit recently. You mm-hmm. know, like back in like the 80s when real like kind of mainstream porn got more popular because they had VHS. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say like back then it would take a while because when you had VHS, you still had to go out and find it. You had to bring it home. You had to watch it. And then you had to, you know, process what you watched. And then I would say at that point, it's mostly straight men who were purchasing or at least renting or whatever, you know, mainstream porn, and then sort of taking what they had learned and putting it into their own sexual practices and preferences. So it probably took kind of a while to filter from those people who actually went out and did the work to get the porn. (laughs) Yeah, Um, the porn consumers. (laughs) Right. Yes, you had to go hunting. There was porn. It used to be a hunt. You used to have to hunt for porn. Right. For everybody who's young that are looking and listening to this, they're like, what are you talking about? You had to hunt for porn. Hunting for porn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, It was like... the men used to take their rocks and, and their spears and they would go out into the world. Um, and then again, obviously back in those days, like through the seventies and the eighties, there was also uh, magazine porn. So you had, mm-hmm. you know, your playboy and hustler and penthouse and yeah. they may have been more responsible actually in those days for filtering tastes and trends because um, yeah. they were just more easily available. And yeah. I, I believe it was in, I, hmm, I want to say the late, 80s mid to late 80s that the the hairless thing started to happen in playboy yeah um when they stopped doing their print magazine there was some some online publication published every single playboy centerfold from all the years of playboy and i scrolled through that thing for like hours because it was fascinating to watch the the body types you know the the boobs and the bush and the you know how tan people were how lubed up they looked the ways that these trends shifted it was so fascinating and i want to say it was like mid to late 80s that the bushes started to get smaller Smaller. and then disappear entirely and then like late 90s there was like the landing strip thing became popular you'd have a little tiny bit of hair on there and then it pretty much disappeared again yeah, and now so, that's the norm. That's that right. that that's our norm. Or just yeah. just just and yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, there was a moment in I think it was around like 20, 2010, 2011, I can't remember, when Sasha Gray was a really big deal in the porn industry for a few years and she sported a bush for a while. And this is why I say that I think that the the time frame for when porn does it to when people in the mainstream do it has sped up because at that point there was enough media online paying enough attention to Sasha Gray and what she was doing that the minute she showed up in a porno with a bush, there were headlines about it. 
Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was still, there wasn't a whole lot of media that was covering porn seriously, but it was enough that people were like, whoa, Bush is in porn. It's going to be a thing. Pubic hair is coming back. And there was a moment of maybe six months or so where it did come back. And then it went back to, you know, the actual norm, which has become the porn norm, which is no hair. Mm -hmm. Um, Although in certain corners of the internet, you're seeing more body hair generally, like more, you know, women with leg hair and pit hair and but I would still say that the, like a full bush is still very rare. Um, and I would argue that that might be at least partly because of lighting and camera angles, because you want to be able to see what's going on. Um, and obviously, as we all know, penetration of objects or phalluses or whatever is very important in most mainstream porn. And so when there's less going on in the area, it's easier to see that happening, to get the lights and the camera in there so that you can get the close-up. Um, and I bet that that's a very strong factor in why it became normalized in porn, not to have any body hair down there. Mm. It's fascinating. I love it. I love it. Another one is, let's talk about anal. Because I found mm-hmm. anal is another one of those that went from uh, it being like taboo, fetishized, to like... Mm-hmm the average person is, you know, cause I, the average person is calling me and asking me how to have anal sex. And, and so the, the transition between how that was like, oh, that was like right. kinky and wild and crazy to, uh, and again, I'm talking about from a hetero, heterosexual mm-hmm. normality piece, right? Heteronormative space. Um, but in that place, how that's changed from that to the normalization of that anal is like a thing, just like a normal thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like if if you're just a generally sexually active person at this point, it's like not. I wouldn't say that it's expected in all circles that everybody has anal sex, but it's certainly not abnormal anymore. Yeah, um, and I think that like that's kind of beautiful. I believe you know because I. Porn plays a very real role as sex education for a lot of people. And that's both a wonderful thing and a terrible thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it has really, you know, the sort of the democratization of porn being freely available on the internet. Again, wonderful and terrible at the same time. Um, Because, yeah, like, having body hair is normal. Most people have body hair and this idea that it's not supposed to be there and that you have to go to all these lengths to get rid of it to be normal is very bizarre because it's not normal not to have body hair you know if you're just talking about the way that our bodies work like yeah it's supposed to be hairy there and it's fine if it's hairy you're normal if you have hair there like yeah um but uh in the same way like porn has introduced us all to so many different ways of giving and receiving pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. And although porn gets a lot of flack for not showing female, like authentic female pleasure enough, it has introduced millions of women the world over to the fact that anal sex can be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it always is. You still want to do it right. You want to warm up. You know, you, you, yeah, you don't, okay. Okay. So it's really important. Okay. I'm going to, I need to, I need to put this in here. Okay. Sex education moment. Sex education moment. First of all, porn is not sex education. It is 
very important. It may have introduced you to a new possibility. It may have stimulated some new thoughts, which is great and beautiful. Um, but it is not education. What happens on a porn set is not what happens in real sex. Okay, this is really important to remember because this is where we get into some serious problems and all sorts of shit goes wrong and sideways. Um, you can't just spit on it and shove things in anybody's ass, okay? Please don't do that. Do, that. do not do that. If you're like, ooh, I, she's talking about anal. Yes, I've seen lots of porn like anal. Do not do porn like they do. Do not do anal like they do in porn. If you want to learn how to do anal, I have a whole episode on anal. Go listen to that podcast, okay? <laughs> Everybody's like, all right, peace. <laughs> So I think, and, and I think that's the, the beautiful thing is like you said, it can introduce us to new concepts, new ideas, new fantasies, those new fantasies, like, you know, our spank bank can expand and our brains mm -hmm. can expand and that can expand our, our creativity and our imagination and all these beautiful things can happen from that place. As right. long as we always look at it as this is entertainment and this is an mm -hmm. opening of possibilities, but this right. is not a manual or a yes. guide. Yeah. And like I said before about camera angles and body hair, um, something that, that really doesn't come across in most professionally produced porn is how many concessions are made on a porn set so that it looks better. You know, mm -hmm. it is, it is a pre-produced very heavily edited fantasy that is being presented to you trying to make it look as pretty as it can and so yeah they get rid of some body hair they they put lights all around you know so that they can get the best camera angles the most of the positions that people do in porn look really good so that you can see the penetration or you know whatever is going on but they often don't feel that good because, you know, sex is about touch and, and, you know, being close to your partner. And a lot of what we see in porn, they're specifically not touching each other so that the camera can get in there and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you talk to people who do porn professionally, a lot of them will say it's not very comfortable, you know, that, and things get edited out. Like, hopefully in the porn that you're watching, you know, if there's a pussy involved, it's dripping wet all the time. But a lot of that is lube, but you never see them apply the lube that gets edited out because it's not sexy to think about somebody needing lube. But mm -hmm. you need lube for lots of things. It's good for you. Love your lube. Um, but you're not going to necessarily know that from watching the finished product. So especially when it comes to anal, you know, there's a huge amount of preparation work that goes into that. Most people who do anal before they go on scene are wearing a butt plug for a while to help relax those muscles. Um, they're using tons of lube, you know, they've pre-negotiated what is okay for the people before they get on set so that when the cameras are rolling, they don't have to negotiate consent, but most of the time they've done it beforehand. Um, and these are all things that you just don't see in the final product. So if you're trying to recreate what you see people doing in porn, you know, line for line and move for move, you're missing a huge amount of what actually goes on. So yeah, think about it. <laughs> I love it. it a little bit. I love that you said you stated all of those things. Yes. It's so important. 
yeah. so consent. important. Cons consent. Well, yeah. consent, consent, consent. <laughs> yes. Ask somebody before you try to stick something in their butt. Yes. <laughs> Always. Always. Ask somebody about before you stick anything in anybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Ears too. Ears, nose, mouth, holes. <laughs> Actually, before you even touch anybody, you should be asking for consent. Consent, consent, consent. Yeah. All right. So I love it. And we are getting lots of really, you know, lube is sexy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're getting lots of comments going on here. Thank you, everybody, right. for showing up and giving us juicy comments. Um, does anybody have any questions yeah. for Lindsay while we have a <laughs> moment here? Throw them at me. Yes. Um, around around society and, and make, keep it, keep it related to our topic. If it's not related <laughs> to your topic, you ain't getting the answered. Okay. So the topic is porn and society. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's such an interesting topic. Like I, almost any time that anything new happens in the porn world, there's, there's always alarmist headlines about how this is going to affect people, how this is going to affect the youth particularly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really p important part of the puzzle. You know, porn is made, like I said, as a pre-produced product. And the intention of that product is not to teach anyone how to do anything unless it's specifically made as educational porn, which does yeah. exist and is awesome. You yeah. can find it. Um, but it's made with the purpose of entertaining adults mm -hmm. who are going to pay to watch it. That's what pornographers want. So a lot of the time, yes, young people may seek out porn and treat it as sex education, which is dangerous in a number of ways, like we just said, but they are not the intended audience. You know, people are not trying to make a product and put it out into the world so that somebody can pirate it and download it for free and never pay them for it. That's not what they want. So when the porn industry gets maligned for teaching kids the wrong thing about sex or teaching adults the wrong thing about sex. Um, it, I get upset because that's not what they're trying to do. That's, you know, most pornographers didn't go into making porn because they wanted to educate the world about sexuality. They did it because they wanted to make money on their art. <laughs> so if- and, and the art of people fucking. Mm -hmm. Which is, has always been art, you know, or can always be art, I would argue. It's, you know, an almost universal interest, and obviously it can be beautiful. So make art of it, and if you're making art, you deserve to get paid. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then we get into the, the difficulties around the fact that so much porn is free, and um, what to do about that as an ethical consumer, but I don't know if we want to go down that road. Yeah, we're not going to have a conversation about that. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. So what are some of the other trends that you've noticed? Um, you know, so I brought up pubic hair and anal. What do you got? What are some of the other um, trends that you've seen as becoming normalized? One that bothered me enormously when it first was getting normalized, I'd say back around like 2010-ish, um, probably a little earlier than that, was the really sloppy gagging blowjob like super deep throat, like spit everywhere, like making I, terrible noises, blowjob. I love that, yes. I love that, but yes. <laughs> I, I was so confused because when I was watching, I was like, I do not like these noises that she is making. I do not like this gagging. I don't like all this, like it looks 
unsexy to me. And it sounds unsexy. And I remember, this is back when I was reviewing primarily, kind of before I got into like the, all of the other critic stuff. Um, and one of the scenes that I had to watch in a movie was this performer who like specialized in that. So it was, there was like snot and spit and <laughs> strings and bubbles coming out of her mouth. And she was making these sounds. And I think in my review, I wrote something about like um, a vacuum cleaner in a bathtub full of snot <laughs> was the sound that she was making. And I was just so completely turned off by it. Like it was not my thing. And then after I, I saw that scene that became much more normalized in porn, the, the really sloppy gagging blowjob. And it took me a while to just kind of get okay with it because I actually interviewed people in the porn industry who gave those kinds of blowjobs on camera. And they were like, yeah, it's super fun. Like I love doing that. And I was like, it's also, don't you feel demeaned by it though? Like just getting like your face fucked like that? Doesn't that feel demoralizing? And they were like, no, it's hot. And like, it just, that was not in my natural makeup to think that that was hot, apparently. You know, obviously my body was like, nope, 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 nope. But lots of other people's bodies and brains were super into it. Um, and that's, I mean, it's pretty normal now. Like there's obviously a spectrum of blowjob techniques in the porn industry, um, but it's very normal to give a super gaggy, spitty, like gag reflex inducing blowjob. And I totally watched that happen. Like that rise to prominence in the porn industry and kind of level out. Um, and I'd say that it's probably pretty normal in many people's bedrooms now as well. Or yeah. wherever else you're giving blowjobs. Blow or wherever else you're giving blowjobs. I don't judge. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there's a, a key piece in that, which is we drop into BDSM. So to drop into the kink, mm -hmm. that's part of what the arousal piece is in that. Right. It's in the surrendering submission, in the rawness, in the primal, in the, you know, use me like a filthy whore concept mm -hmm. of arousal response, right? And that, right. that lives primarily in the kink BDSM realm of sexual exploration. Mm. That's a really good point, which I think is another thing that porn has, has normalized is yeah. that sort of the, especially power dynamics, yeah. <clears throat> the trust involved, um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, I mean, porn has normalized bondage for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, which has always been quite popular as far as like light kink goes, but porn has brought that so much to the forefront with, you know, porn that is kink porn, but also just, you know, across like relatively vanilla porn, you know, bondage play is super normal. Yeah. Um, yep. So there's, there's all that normalization, right? Right. The, the normalization of that. Mm. And, you know, and you know, the arousal response when it first showed up is because it's so taboo, right? So it's so, and that's, that's the thing is often is in the porn industry is like, oh, this will make some good money. <laughs> this right. is something unique. This is something, you know, kind of taboo-ish and everybody wants to whack off to things that are taboo because let's be honest, that's part of our arousal response in our fantasy world is about mm -hmm. it not being what our norm is, right? On our day-to-day -day basis. Right. So it so it's just fascinating that 
when you see, you can see the porn industry. Okay, here's a great new thing. And then people are like, ooh. And then eventually it becomes like, well, I whacked off so much to it that now it's normalized it as the, as it's no longer taboo for me. So right. that's the other piece that's always fascinating is the consumption of porn, that there's always upping the level of the ante, right? There's the upping up mm -hmm. the ante, the ante. And because we up the ante, and then eventually it regulates itself, and then it filters into normalcy of society, then we got to ramp it up again, right? And mm -hmm. so you can see that throughout history. And, right. and it's, you know, again, it comes back down to the porn industry being like, hey, what freaky shit can we get people to whack off to? <laughs> right. And it was really interesting when I sort of entered, you know, writing about the porn industry was like 2007 or 2008. Um, so right after Pornhub became a thing and right when um, piracy was really starting to affect the porn industry and what was happening in the established porn industry that had been operating out of California for years was producers were freaking out because they were watching people utilizing free porn online and watching their profits drop and they were like it's the end of the world and they went crazy like balls to the wall with making shocking content because they were just like we got to make as much money as quickly as possible before this whole thing falls apart um and arguably it kind of did fall apart things are very different now um so around then is when gonzo porn became the norm okay, and so that was explain explain what gonzo porn is so gonzo porn is named after gonzo journalism which was hunter s thompson's uh form of journalism which put him as the journalist directly in the action and gonzo porn took that idea and basically removed the the fourth wall more or less so gonzo porn there was a lot of point of view you know like handheld cameras of somebody who was fucking or made to look like it was held by someone who was fucking who was in the action um so they're you know they did away with most sets they did away with all of the bells and whistles that often used to go into porn production and it was just people having really hardcore sex um, because you could produce it cheaply mm -hmm. and, and you could therefore make more money on it. Um, and then it, things started getting really intense. So you started seeing the really intense deep throat blowjobs. Um, you started seeing a lot more oral, or, or sorry, anal sex happening. Um, and you started seeing a lot more like, you know, borderline violent things going on and like weird fetishes popping up in unexpected places that, you know, you didn't normally see in porn before then because people were looking to shock their audience into paying for the content. Mm -hmm. um, and that's right when I stepped in and I, you know, I was like this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 20-something, and I was like, oh boy, a porn reviewing job, that sounds like so much fun, and part of what was happening was I had been watching free porn on the internet, and I did not feel good about a lot of what I was watching because it, I had no context for it, and this is where a, a lot of the, like, ickiness about porn and society comes in, it's when you don't have that context to realize that, like, this looks like it could have been filmed in some random dude's basement in Ohio. How do I know that these people are okay? Mm -hmm. You know, like this, this person is smacking this other person a lot. How do I know that they're okay with that? Um, and so when I got offered a porn reviewing job, I thought, oh, this will be good because I know it's professionally made and it's not going to be that scary stuff I've been seeing on the internet. 
And that's when I learned that the scary stuff I saw on the internet was professionally made. <laughs> and then people were stealing it and putting it on the internet for free because I got like my first DVD to review and it was just as hardcore, you know, and just as intense and just as shocking as everything I'd seen on the internet. It was just packaged nicely so that I knew that these people had been paid, you know, they had signed the paperwork, they were all 18 and they were okay with it. You know, at least on paper, you can never be a thousand percent sure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that that normalization process was right in the middle of happening of all of these things that used to be fringe or considered kinks or fetishes. Um, and I think that a lot of that has been heavily normalized over the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, and that was basically because the market was just flooded with it for a while. And then it was like, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. No. <laughs> because the public was like, well, now that's what we want. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, having, having the normal sort of, okay, uh, we have two girls and then we have, you know, the sequence of we have two girls, we have one boy, uh, intercourse, maybe we might have some anal sex. And then there's like a group scene of all the people who've actually participated in the, the porn up to this point. Um, right. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to mm -hmm. cut it anymore like yeah although there's an interesting like phenomenon that is still sort of happening and I'm not sure how far it'll go but um I have kind of seen that in the past few years a lot of like studio produced like big time mainstream porn um has gone a little bit more vanilla as far as the actions that are happening on screen and the kink is saying that all these people are like step family related. Uh, now they call it faux-cest porn because um, obviously none of these people are related at all, but um, you can say, you know, this is a stepbrother and stepsister, stepfather and stepdaughter or whatever. Um, and that's hugely popular. And I actually think that that bubble may have burst at this point because it was so big for several years there that it may be starting to dissipate. Um, but in those scenes, you actually would end up having a lot more storytelling going on mm -hmm. than we had really seen in mainstream porn for a while. You had a lot more scripting. Um, and you'd have like, you know, sets that made sense, like they're in a house that they live in, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so it was kind of like the opposite of the gonzo trend where you need some setup. You need us to know what the context is here because the kink is not in the actions they're performing. It's in your head. Head, yeah. Um, and that's been very interesting. It's been kind of like the opposite of what I saw happening trend-wise for a long time. It's still very kinky and a lot of people got very upset by it, but not because they were doing things on screen that were particularly outrageous. Yeah, but the premise behind who's doing it became the outrageous part. Right. Still outrageous. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Let's just, it's, it's, that, that hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's super interesting too, you know, like, and very interesting that it, that all happened kind of before everybody went into quarantine. <laughs> like, I feel like it was super, super popular. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I totally want to fuck my stepsister. Oh yeah. And then you go into like actual quarantine with your actual family and it's like, oh God, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want any of this. <laughs> All right, so what would you say is the one thing that you want to say to the audience before we close up our show today? Hmm. Ooh. 
I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I already covered it. Porn isn't n- real sex. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not, um, I have interviewed, <clears throat> I don't know, probably several hundred people who make porn over the course of my career. <clears throat> and pretty much all of them say it's not real. So <laughs> take their word for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a frog in my throat. <clears throat> I'll turn it back to you for a second. What do you want people to know? <laughs> <laughs> so with the theme that Lindsay's going with, I'm also going to concur that porn is not real. And it's not sexual education. And please come hang out with me for the sexual education part. <laughs> of the sex okay we have i have lots of programs courses all sorts of juicy things but i can help you with the education and the sexual the actual real sexual skill building that needs to happen so that you can swing from the chandeliers and have freaky (laughs) sex okay um and make sure that you're physically okay emotionally okay psychologically okay your relationships and consent like i I navigate i negotiate i have conversations okay so that shit doesn't go sideways so come see me. Um, the other part that I want to say about that is that we haven't talked about, and I think maybe our next conversation, we should have a conversation about the addiction to the porn, mm-hmm. porn addiction, which is huge. Um, and how the, you know, how the consumption of porn, when not used in a healthy manner, can be very, very self-destructive. And I, I think that that would be a really good conversation your next time that you're on. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, people, it, there's a lot of stuff around not being able to, cons- you know, not being able to function in society because there's an addiction to porn, um, not being able to have intimacy and connection to others because, you know, what you've, you know, you've, your, your overconsumption of pornography, um, what you've in, your body dysphoria like there's so many things that have that happen as uh when we don't move in a healthy relationship with pornography and not because of the porn industry but because who we are and how we've been taught to Mm. move with it right right and i and i think that that's an important piece so if you're if you've been listening to our show today and you're like yeah but what about you know what about my husband not fucking me and he stays up all night long watching fucking porn instead of actually having sex with me right that shit is real and and that shit's important and we will talk about that in our next show but don't yeah. discredit our conversations that we've had because of maybe some of the relationship that you have with porn or your partner's relationship with porn has not served you well. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely piggyback on that to say that, you know, porn can be an incredibly useful and helpful tool in, in your sexual toolkit, as they yes. say. You know, like we were saying before, you know, you can, you, although we do not encourage taking porn as literal sex education, you can learn so much about yourself, your fantasies, your body, other people's bodies from watching porn. And a lot of what is available online today isn't necessarily studio produced, you know, mainstream porn. There's actually a lot of like real people really fucking on the internet these days, which often looks very different and can be you know, mind opening in a lot of ways. So, you know, I would encourage people to like, go out and explore, find the things that turn you on and then, you know, go to Gaia, find what ways to 
do those things ethically and consensually and orgasmically and have a blast, enjoy your body. But yeah, remember that porn is, uh, it's a product. It's made for your consumption. And entertainment. Yes, it's entertainment. It can be a tool and it can be a wonderful part of your toolkit. But yeah, it's, it's just a tool. And like everything else, when you watch a movie, when you go to the movies, you're not like, oh, that's history. That's exactly how that happened. <laughs> you, you don't. You, you, you don't move in that way. When you read something, you're not like, because you read it off the internet, that it's true, right? It's well, like, but I know there's some people who do that. <laughs> I recommend not doing that anymore. Um, that there's this piece around pornography is there for entertainment purposes Mm -hmm. and in itself there's nothing wrong with it and it can be very helpful it can be great for sexual stimulation it can be added to your repertoire can help with your building of your spank bank there's so many good things that can happen but as long as you move in a healthy healthy way with it right yeah it's just like everything um you know, too much of anything is never good. (laughs) And I think that's an important, that's an important thing, whether we're talking about work, we're talking about sex, we're talking about food, we're talking alcohol, we're talking about anything, right? Porn falls into that category. But they should uh, do like they do on alcohol, like enjoy responsibly at the the bottom. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Right. So, all right. How can people spend more time with you? Because I know you have a whole bunch of projects on the go that are not oh boy. porn related. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, the easiest thing is to find me on my website, which is lindsayg.com. And it is spelled funny, so I'm going to spell it out for you. It's L-Y-N-S-E-Y-G.com. Um, that's where all of my stuff lives. So uh, new blogs about once a week. I don't always manage once a week, but about once a week. Um, you can find all of my social media. You can find links to my publishing company where I publish comics, um, Oneshi Press. We have a new project on Kickstarter right now. It is not porn related, um, but it is delightful and I think you'll like it. So uh, yeah, visit my website and you can learn about all the stuff that I do. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank love you. that you are back on the show. Me too. Um, fun. You know, well, and it's kind of nice because we can kind of continue what I'm finding enjoyable is that we get to continue our, our relationship of us getting to know each other, us getting to engage in, in, you know, all different aspects of porn. And it's like a continuation. It's like Ugh. we're on this adventure together. Yeah. And there's nothing that I love more than having like an ongoing conversation with someone else who is interested in healthy sexuality. Like mm-hmm. that is just my favorite, favorite thing. So, right. so yeah. So we'll have Lindsay back in a couple months <laughs> and we'll talk about what happens when we don't consume porn in a healthy way and yeah. the byproducts of that. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So I love you, audience. Oh, wait. Before I do that, before we say goodbye, let's just double check. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Yeah. And start making notes for next time so that you can ask questions that time, too. Um. Okay. 
I love it. So here's here's one uh, statement I, I, that I really enjoyed uh, that I wanted to share. Uh, the decline of faux incest porn viewing in quarantine. Ha ha ha. I wonder what the next trend will be. Thanks for the great conversation, you two. Thanks, Stacy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, Ooh, there's been lots. Of, there's been lots of. There's been lots of. Uh, you know, great, great show. They loved it. Lots of people love what we talked about. So yes. yay. <laughs> and if anyone has bets on what the next trend will be, let us know. Oh yes, that'll be good. <laughs> that'll be good. You know, I and the funny part is, is that um, I haven't been consuming much porn lately at all. Like, um, you know, I have such a a, a rampant. Um, imagination of my own <laughs> like spank bank form. I haven't watched any porn in recent most recently. And That's usually awesome. you know, so um so I I'm I'm way or I'm I'm relying on you, Lindsay, in what the next trend will be because I'm not oh, watching no. reading. I'm I'm going to have to watch more porn. I'm gonna have to watch more porn. All right. Yeah, audience, I love you. Thanks for being with us. Um, again, yes, if you have any bets on what you think the latest trend will be, you know, reach out. That'll be fascinating. We can, yeah. we can all go on this porn consumption <laughs> together. Um, I also want to remind everybody to follow me on all the social media platforms. Hello. Um, Gaia Morissette and Empress Gaia for all your BDSM needs. You can visit me at um, EmpressGaia.com for all of your sexual wellness needs and education and all of those things. Visit me at SucculentLiving.com. Don't forget my Orgasmic Life podcast can be on all the it's on all of your platforms: Spotify, Apple, Google. They're everywhere. I'm everywhere, including my <laughs> own app. So you like, if you don't even want to go on the platforms, you can just push button and all you get to listen to is me all the time. So how <laughs> awesome is that? <laughs> and you can find that on Google Play Store. And don't forget, and I'm going to, I need to ask, this show's not free. <laughs> We're talking about consumption, right? This, running this show costs money. So please support your artists me by joining my patreon account right the link is in there please support that's how you consume responsibly wink wink <laughs> <laughs> nudge nudge <laughs> all right so all right till next time i love you all Mwah. bye everybody bye <laughs>